and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. You know, the age of, I was 15 or 16, I think, I can't remember. I was in the church that Pastor Brad and Ali and I grew up in. And there's a preacher who preached a sermon. God was already staring in my heart. Anyone here 15 or 16, roughly? Who's here 15, 16? You should know your age. Some people are like... Yeah, all right. I don't remember the message, but he, st- but, but he started out his sermon by saying this. There's a preacher by the name of Wally Odom. And he said... The title of my message is Following God is an Adventure. And I remember thinking, not for me. I was only 15 or 16, but I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say, tonight, when the altar call is given, you are to be the first one at the front. Now, for context, I still am, but I was especially shy, especially introverted, hated walking to the front for anything because in my mind it just made people think I had sin in my life <laughs> so I, I avidly avoided and if I was to walk to the front it's because everyone else walked to the front and then I joined the crowd but I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit so clearly I can't remember the points in the sermon I can't remember what it was about except that he said following God is an adventure and at the end, I knew who was going to give it. I was so nervous. I was sitting probably halfway back. And he said, if you want an adventure in following God, I want you to get out of your seat and come to the front. I'm like, God, I'm going to regret this. But I shut my eyes and walked to the front, raised my hand thinking, I'm the only guy that must be there. Later turned around and saw a whole heap of others. But something broke in my life that night. Because as I started sharing around the offering last night, I was a shy, conservative, not a risk taker, not a maverick. Something broke in my life. And I can't tell you that from that day on till now, my life's been perfect, but it's been an adventure. The highs have been high, the lows have been low, and it's been a roller coaster But the one thing it isn't is boring. If your Christian life is boring, you're following the wrong God. Because following God is an adventure. So at a dangerous conference like this, where you can feel the build of everything that God's done, that is that he's got a destiny for you. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God proposed beforehand that we should walk in them. And this morning, wow, had the, the blonde dynamos tear the room apart. Hunger was stirred and awakened as dreams began to be conceived. And if you had fear or unbelief after the second session, I can't help you. But I believe it's a prophetic time for this church. And 
you're invited. You know, you might listen to Dream again and go, that's good for the young people. But when I read my Bible in Joel chapter 2, it says, after I pour my spirit out, your old men will dream dreams. So there's nobody here too old to dream again. You might be in an Elijah stage after the whole prophets of Baal thing where your season is now about appointing Elishas. You might be at a Jethro stage where your job is to give advice to the Moseses that are right. You might be at a stage in a season of your life, but you're not too old to dream again. And I'll, I found, I'll tell you one thing I found out about God. When he comes, he brings two things with him. He brings his burdens and he brings his dreams. You don't have to ask for dreams and burdens. Ask for more of God. And when God comes, you suddenly get a burden and you suddenly get a dream. I, I responded to that altar call that day and not having a clue. I ended up becoming a lawyer, went to university, studied law and commerce, and worked as a lawyer for five years in Perth, Western Australia. Faithful, gone to church, keyboard player. And then... One day, a pastor asked me to give up my job and go work for the church, which at the time was a big risk because I had to go to like one-third of my pay. And I didn't have a wife, so I didn't need permission. <laughs> but I felt the adventure that God was leading me on, so I said yes. The bank doesn't understand adventure or faith. They still wanted the mortgage paid at the end of the month. But God made a way. And the journey continued. After three years of working in a church, I felt completely burnt out, disillusioned, and discouraged. <laughs> I told you, adventure is highs and lows. And on the verge of saying, I'm done, I love God, but I don't know if I'll... I love the restaurant, but I'm not sure I'm a fan of the kitchen. <laughs> I, um, I was going to quit, and then I had an encounter with God, a burning bush moment in September 2005. And in that encounter, God said, go to Malaysia, plant a church. And I remember thinking, are you kidding? You know me. You know where I'm at. I'm at the end of myself. I'm disqualified. I'm unqualified. I, I can't do this. And God said, now that you know you're not ready, you are. See, before I thought I'm ready, I could do this. I was a lawyer. I'm coming to help pastors. What do pastors really do apart from Sundays? Let's be honest. I had this arrogance and pride that was a little quiet, but I had it, and God broke me, shattered me. I needed to be. And after three years feeling completely undone, he says, now go. And, 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 and you've got a little bit, for those of you who are the first time, last night we showed a video, and we've got 16 years what God has done, all the different countries and all that. So it's, it's, it's an adventure. It's an adventure. But only God would come up with the idea of starting a movement in an Islamic country and then as a second base, using Perth as, as the most isolated capital city in the world to launch people into other places. But following God is an adventure. Some of you tonight, in the intimacy of worship, in that beautiful environment, seeds would drop. But I want to encourage you. Dream Again is not for the first row. It's not for the energetic. It's an invitation to the, every person who calls upon the name of the Lord. And you don't have to work it out. All you have to say is yes. 
So I guess if there's need of a title, you can call it just say yes. When God asks a question, the answer is yes. You're like, but what if I don't know the details of the questions? It's not the question that matters, it's who asked it. I I shared a bit about the parable of the talents last night, and I'm not going to read it for time's sake. But you know the story of the parable of the talents about a guy who got five, a guy who got two, a guy who got one. And I, and, I, and I learned the lesson from that. This is no, you cannot, everyone wants to be a good steward, but there's no such thing as being risk-free in your stewardship. You've got to take a risk. When God gives you a dream, now that you're free of fear, fear of unbelief, you've got hunger in your soul, there's a desire. I don't know the details, God, but my answer is? I've got to take a step. See, a dream without a step is a fantasy. So I'm here to give you the courage because I feel there's a grace on this house to take what's in the room and take a step outside the room. I'm obviously conscious of what God is stirring. I know there was an exciting announcement last week and God is doing fresh things. But I want to tell you, every one of you is a part of this move. It's not just for your pastors. Everyone in this auditorium is signed up to this adventure called following God. And everything in the last 24 hours is a setup to give you the courage to take a step up. And I, I think on the journey of following God, I just want to give you a couple of convictions that have cemented my heart. Because again, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit nervous. I'm still a little shy. I know people find that hard to believe. But I am. But I've discovered something about God when he calls you on an adventure. And, this, and the first conviction I've got that I really believe is so... Tonight, is, this is going to set people free. And, and it's the conviction that God can use you while he changes you. God can use you while he changes you. See, I grew up in an environment where God had to change you first. And then you're like, Lord, I'm now ready for thy service. And then he'd use me. But I don't find God work like that at all. If I look back over the 16 years, I've seen so much of what God has done. He's used me, but he's also changed me along the way. And that way he gets all the glory. He gets all the honor. Because see, the problem is if he changes us first and then we are now ready to be used, we will have pride in our preparation because we think our diligence is what triggered our destiny. But only God gets the glory when he uses you and changes you. And he says, look what the Lord has done. But then you're like, this is an earthen vessel. How did divine treasure come out of the earthen vessel? Because only God can use you and change you at the same time. Now, I believe in preparation. I believe in study. I believe in setting yourself apart. I believe in all of that. But what I found is this adventure with God does not wait for a moment in time when you go, I now feel ready. I was never ready for anything. All I had to do was hold on to his coattail and just say, the yes in this room is going to determine how the adventure of this house goes. Not the yes in the front row. I said, any old people here? I'm glad you self-identified. God can use you. Look at your neighbor and say, God can use you. While he changes you. Look at the neighbor you rejected, say you too. You know, my first year of planning church in, in, in Malaysia in 2006, 
I was feeling pretty like, it was exhilarating. It was an adventure. Highs were high, lows were low. But I had no idea what I was doing. Don't tell anybody, especially my church, but I haven't been to Bible college. I mean, I've read the Bible and I've been to college, but I've never been to Bible college. I'm a full supporter of Bible college. I'm now in charge of a Bible college that has thousands of students, but I hadn't gone. And I thought that was the problem. So God, you know, the thing about God is you just do what you're told. You get the privilege of obedience. I remember the first year of church, I was feeling like, God, I can't do this. I'm, you know, I don't know. And I had an experience that sort of changed everything for me a bit. I was having a shower. Um, that's not uncommon. I do that every day. <laughs> but it was, my apartment's on the 10th floor. It's just me in the house. And, uh, and I accidentally knocked the shampoo bottle. It was a bit of a high window. The bottle was on the ledge. I knocked it instead of grabbing it, and it fell out of the window. And so the shampoo bottle fell 10 floors to its untimely demise. And um, I thought, oh, whatever. Anyway, I finished my shower, sat down watching some TV, and, uh, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, go pick up the shampoo bottle. <laughs> I go, what? Is that you, God? And I knew it was God because, again, I wasn't married at that point, so it must have been God. So I thought... I better go. So I, I got up. I, I got caught the lift. And, you know, you know, I knew, like, I thought God was convicting me about littering. Right? Like, go pick it up. You made a mess, you know? So I went down. I'm like, God, okay. And so I come down to the ground floor. I walk around the apartment block. I go find where my apartment is. I look through the bushes where it would have fallen, and there's the shampoo bottle. It's got a crack in there, it's got some dirt, I pick it up, I'm about to throw it in the bin, and I hear the Spirit of God talk to me again, don't throw it in the bin. I go, now by the way, in case you're curious, I don't hear God's voice every five seconds. You know, some people are like, God told me what to wear this morning, God told me what to eat this morning. (laughs) For those people, I'm very jealous and skeptical, but... (laughs) But at the same time, I'm like, God, I'm a missionary, but I can afford a new bottle of shampoo, I'll be fine. And, uh, but I, I knew the Lord was trying to teach me something. So I, I go up, and I'm going up the floor, the elevator, up to the 10th floor. And I get there, and I realize what the Lord has shown me. And I start washing the dirt off the shampoo bottle. And he said, son, that's what I've done with you. So all of us have fallen. And Jesus came from a high place down to a low place. And he picked us up like the Good Samaritan at our worst and he took us back, and he's washed the dirt off our lives, and he set us back in our rightful place. The difference was the next couple of months, that shampoo bottle had a crack in it. Now, it's like this divine treasure on the inside of an earthen vessel that has cracks on it. And it's like you're saying, son, I want, you, I want to use you like that shampoo bottle. I want to use you to clean my body, but I'm, Lord, I'm broken. I've got cracks. And you know the amazing thing? For the next two months, the shampoo came out easier through the crack (laughs) than that pump thing that doesn't work half the time. And I realized, you know, the presence of God will come out through your brokenness far more effectively than you'll ever 
do by trying to impress people. Look at your neighbor and say, God can use you while he changes you. You know, I, I really, you know, one of my favorite miracles is this paralyzed man who was lowered through the roof. Four guys carried him to a miracle. Jesus looks at him. First words, your sins are forgiven. Second words, rise and be healed. The devil is boring, but the reason he's boring is because his tactics are the same, but they're effective because we keep failing and falling for them. There are people tonight and the barrier to your dream, there are others who are all in saying, God, I'll do whatever, I'll go wherever, I'm here. I can feel that in the, in the, in the, in the room. But there are others who are staying back, not because you're bad people, but you feel unworthy. You feel unable. It's the two excuses the enemy has used from the beginning of time. And the reason he keeps using it is because we keep falling for it. Dream again. Oh, that's good for them. I'm not worthy. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done in my life. God knows. God knows what I've really done. And so you feel unworthy. Or even if you go, no, I'm worthy because of Jesus. And you get the revelation of his blood. You may go, well, I'm not able. I can't preach like Pastor Brad. I can't sing like Joy. I can't rap like Noah. I can't dance like, I can't do offerings like Christy. I can't do. And you feel this inadequacy. You're worthy, but you're unable. And there are so many people tonight that God wants to shatter that chain that you're not worthy or you're not able. Because... Jesus, and this is what I love about Jesus. In the one 30-second act, he shattered the paralyzed man's bondage. He said, you're now worthy. You're forgiven. You're now able. Rise. And so now that man had only one excuse left. One excuse left as to why he couldn't walk out of there. He's now worthy because he's forgiven. He's now able because he's healed. So it wasn't whether he was unworthy or unable. Was, 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 was he unwilling? And Jesus says, rise, pick up your mat and walk. And it was a moment where he could start to dream again. It's a moment where he could start to walk again. And he realized, man, God has given me the grace. So tonight, there might be people that you need to decide, God, I need you to forgive me. God, I need you to heal me. God, I need you to touch me. Because you cannot let the lies of the enemy shut you down when God has forgiven you. God has declared you able. No matter what your limitation you can dream tonight. You can conceive something in God. Just say. Yes. Jesus was a radical risk taker. You know, if you read Luke chapter 9, it's a mission trip. He starts Luke chapter 9 by breathing on his disciples. I'd like Jesus to breathe on me. I would so fall. Wouldn't be courtesy. It would be genuine. <laughs> he breathes on his disciple. And he gives them power and authority. Go heal the sick, cast out devils, go do, change the world. And they go. And if you read Luke 9, it's the mission trip from hell. Because they stuff up everything possible. First, they can't heal the, the sick boy. Jesus, like, emoji, roll my eyes, all right, fine, I'll fix it. And then they start arguing about who's the greatest. They're arguing about who's the greatest. They couldn't even heal the boy, but they're like, oh, I want the, I'm the greatest, no, I'm the greatest, no, I'm the greatest, no, I'm the greatest. Let's get my mom involved. You know, it's just ridiculous. 
they got authority issues, they got ego issues. Then he has to deal with sectarianism. Big word, simply means, uh, hey, they're not from our church, so let's not talk to them. We cut them out. We stop them, Lord, because they're not from the ACC. Jesus like, stop it. Then, bad enough, they got authority issues, they got ego issues, they got unity issues. Then they want to call fire down in the village. Which is like wrong covenant. Guys, if, if I took a mission team and this is what happened, no authority, ego issues, lack of unity, and then they want to call fire to kill the people. I'm canceling all other mission trips. Everybody's coming in for retraining. But Jesus is a radical risk taker. Because only he can use them and change them. Because all along the way, he was dealing with things. He showed them this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. He said, if you want to be the greatest, you've got to serve. He corrected their theology. He started to say, then just because they're not a part of this group doesn't mean they're not with us. And don't call fire down to kill them. Call fire down to heal them. Call fire down to clean them. And it's like at the end of that mission trip, it's an exhausting failure, if you ask me. But then if you keep reading, Luke chapter 10, verse 1 says, after these things... The Lord appointed 70 others also. Like what? Like it's, it's as if Jesus said, guys, good job. That was such a great trip. You guys did so well. We're going too slow. Why do we only have 12? Go get 70 others. I'm like the 12 you trained gave you a train wreck. But only Jesus can call another 70 because only He can use you and change you at the same time. So don't let any excuse stop you from saying yes tonight. Let everything in your heart respond with a resounding yes. No weapon formed against you can prosper, say yes. Hunger is birthed in you, say yes. God is for me, say yes. Just say, God, I thank you. I'm not allowing any unworthiness or disability to stop me from saying, come on, shout yes. All the old people shout yes. yes. You know, um, here, here's the second, second thought. Here's the second conviction that I, I'm just trying, I'm, I'm awakening the appetite for the yes in this room. Here's the second thing. You know, not, when, when you're shy, when you're conservative, you, I don't want to dream again. Well, okay, God, you can use me. All right, I'll say yes. But then there's this issue of where am I going? What am I doing? What is the dream? Well, I want to tell you, God will guide you as you step out. I like to know the plan before I step out. God does not work like that. He says, you step out and then I'll show you the plan. They're like, can you show me the plan and then tell me how it's going to work? Like, there's nothing about God's leading that gives you the privilege of due diligence. I'm a lawyer. I believe in due diligence. I understand the purpose of planning. I'm strategic. I'm all of that. But when it comes to following God, when it comes to saying yes, you're just going to have to say, God, I'll step up, I'll step out, and I thank you, you'll guide me as I go. You know, I wrote a book, it's called Ready, Fire, Aim, and it sort of tells the story of Kingdom City. Ready, Fire, Aim is irresponsible advice if you're holding a gun. <laughs> but it's exactly how God works when it comes to obeying His Word. He said, Peter, step out of the boat. We're like, well, let me just aim and work out the, diligence, the due diligence of how water supports the weight of an apostle. No, he just stepped out. See, the problem is most of us aim, aim, aim. God says, start a prayer meeting. God says, go and pray for the sick. God says, go witness, go write a letter, forgive your neighbor, give that offering, sow that seed. 
Oh, God, I just got to do it. And we aim, aim, aim. We're ready, but we won't fire. We aim, 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 aim. We're aiming, we're, we're aiming for so long. The bunny has left the country and we're still aiming the gun. At some point, you're going to have to fire. Here's the problem. It's trust. Most of us have more trust in our own aim than God's ability to guide the moving bullet. So fire the gun and let God bring the alignment. You're like, that's irresponsible. It's funny what God calls faith, we call irresponsible. What we call caution, what we call wisdom, God calls unbelief. Some of us have just been hurt to take the risk again. But I want to encourage you, tonight's the night we all say yes. We renew our yes. You know, the idea that God will guide me as I step out, I've got so many stories, I've too many to tell, but the one that sticks in my mind, and this happened while I was a lawyer, and I want to use this because if when I'm a pastor, you're like, oh, well, you're a pastor, easy. No, this is when I was a lawyer. God spoke to me about praying for the sick in hospital. And I'm like, pray for the sick in hospital? Why would you do that? I mean, I could pray for the sick in church because that's what you do, and at least everyone knows prayer because it's church. But he says, he said once, go pray for the sick in hospital. I'm going... Now, that should sound sensible because that's where the sick are. But I'm like, oh, wow, God. I'm, I'm a lawyer, God. How do I go pray for the sick in hospital? I work Monday to Friday. I got a one-hour lunch break. I serve in church. What do you mean pray for the sick in hospital? I'm not a pastor. I'm not a chaplain. And so, um, you know what I did? Nothing. <laughs> for three months. Because you know what I wanted? A plan. I want to know, God, how's that going to work? Which hospital? Where? Who? Give me a contact. I had fleeces. I had, I call my unbelief lots of things. <laughs> so I did nothing for three months, but then the agitation grew. Do you know, at some point, some of you, the frustration of doing nothing will outweigh the fear of failure, and then you'll step out. Sitting on your blessed assurance will eventually get so frustrating <laughs> when everyone's talking about dream again, change the world, let's go. Like, okay, if I fail, I fail, but I'm going to go. Yeah. But what you'll find out is God will guide you as you step out. The direction you crave is in your faith. The direction you crave is in your obedience. The direction you crave. After three months of doing nothing, I'm sitting... Pastor Brown, I'm sitting in my office as a lawyer. I'm like, I've got to do something. This is killing me. I've done nothing for three months. And so I thought, you know what? Hang it. I'm going to do it. God didn't say where, how. So I have a one-hour lunch break. I thought, I'm in the city of Perth. We have these little buses that you can go. And then the largest hospital is Royal Perth Hospital. It's right in the middle of the city. I thought, God didn't tell me which hospital, so that sounds good. So I'm just going to get on the bus, and I'm going to go to this hospital and see what happens. I get on the bus, dressed in my suit, going to pray for the sick in hospital, and I'm going, you're an idiot. Can't believe you're an idiot. God has told you nothing. You used three months, and now I'm just, I'm on the bus. I'm going. I'm just going to see what happens. And then I hear the Holy Spirit say, ask for the chaplain. I'm like, you spoke to me. I was waiting for you. He goes, I was waiting for you. I did not get another word until I stepped onto the bus. Some of you are waiting for the next step, and God says, do what I told you last, 
God will guide you. I did not hear a word. I was saying, God, tell me, tell me, tell me, nothing. But as you step out, God will guide you. So I get in the I'm like, God, you're alive. Thank you. Oh, ask for the chaplain. Now, at that point, I'm a lawyer. I didn't even know there were chaplains in hospitals. It's 2001 or two or something. So I, I, I go to the hospital, Royal Perth, big entrance, thoroughfare. I'm like, oh, ask for the chaplain. God said one more thing. Ask for the chaplain. God, next step, nothing. Next step, nothing. Next step. So I go up to the lady. Hi. She goes, can I help you? I said, um, I'd like to speak to the chaplain. She goes, which one? God, which one? Which one, God? Chocolate, vanilla, strawberry. I said, I didn't know what my choices were. I said, what are my choices? Said, um, Catholic, Church of England, or Lutheran? I go, oh boy, I don't think any of these guys are going to like what I'm going to have to say. <sighs> and so you're like, what did the Lord say then? Nothing. So you know what I did? I just picked one. I'll have the Church of England. You're like, why did you pick the Church of England? I like football, I like David Beckham, and it just sounded good. She goes, Church of England. I said, yeah. She goes, do you have an appointment? No. Do you know him? No. So he's not expecting you? No. Are you here to visit someone? No. Are you sick? I felt like saying in the head, yes. Like, no. She looks at me with these absolutely cynical eyes going, oh. Found out later she thought I was going to ask for money and I was, you know, whatever. And this is a hospital, public hospital. Ten minutes later, down walks the Church of England chaplain. I look at him, I go, Reverend Gordon. He goes, I know you, Mark. I go, you're the Church of England chaplain? He goes, no, 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 I, uh, the Church of England chaplain's been away. I've been replacing him for the last three months. Today's my last day. <laughs> I said, can we talk? He said, yes. I said, this is going to sound crazy, but God told me to pray for the sick in the hospital. I know I'm a lawyer, and they're one of the least trusted people in society, but you need to trust me. He goes, no, but I know you. See, you don't understand. He was the Anglican vicar of the church a lot of my aunties and uncles went to. And I'd occasionally go. And so he knew me. So he knew I wasn't a terrorist. <laughs> and he goes, I know you. I know your family. I know you're a sensible guy. Look, this is not normal. You don't have qualifications. You're not already a chaplain. But we'll see what we can do. And da, da, da. long story short, within two weeks, they made me an honorary chaplain of Royal Perth Hospital where I came in before work or during lunch or after work and I, was, I got the privilege of praying for sick people within a certain area. And then people would hear and go, can you come pray for us? And an ordinary lawyer with no pastoral qualifications, for the next two years I went into hospitals and laid hands on sick people. How did that happen? Because God will guide you as you step out. One day I just got sick of doing nothing and I said, God, I will do something even if I fail. And I stepped out of the boat. And some of you are waiting for the next word from God. Here's the word from God. Get up and go. Do what I told you last time. Take a risk and say yes. God will guide you as you step out. Dream again. Comes with some risks. You know, 
And I told people I'm going to Malaysia to start a church. They're like, why? I said, I don't know, God told me. <laughs> Buying a one-way ticket to an Islamic country without a visa is all the signs are stupid. <laughs> but there's nothing like following God because following God is an adventure. Here's, here's, here's probably my last thought, and then I feel, I feel the stirring of God for your resounding yes. Some of you might need to be the first. You might have to race to be the first at the altar tonight. But God didn't bring you in for a spiritual picnic. He's stirring this house for something more, and he's stirring you to be a part of it. Everyone say, God can use you while he changes you. God will guide you as you step out. And, and find number three, God will guard you as you keep going. Some of us are paranoid about protection, especially in this day of age. Lord, but will I be safe? Will my family be safe? Your protection is in your obedience. Your protection is in your ongoing yes to God. The mistake is to think somehow, this is a deception, that I'm guarded by my fear. Or I'm guarded by my inactivity. I won't miss God's will if I do nothing. Maybe doing nothing is missing God's will. And some people are just nervous. And I gotta, you know what, live on green. By the way, I did write a book. Uh, Hassan, are you reading my book there? You're not listening to my sermon. Why don't you go give that book away to someone? Who do you want to give it a book? Just go, just run through the crowd. Run, like just go, just go through, find someone who looks excited and give that book away. There you go, come on. He was reading it. There, there's some lovely ladies raising a hand. There you go, there you go. If she's bold enough to do that, she deserves the book. <laughs> okay. So, so here's the thing. To the 50% of you that are shy, old, conservative, scared, nervous, God says, I'm going to give you dreams again. Amen. Your only responsibility is just to say yes. That's it. You don't have to work it out. You don't have to figure it out. He's your protection. He's your direction. He's your activation. So here's what I know. There's a protection that comes on the journey if you keep saying yes. The day you stop saying yes is the day the protection stops, which is really weird. It's hard to imagine. You sort of got to live on green. Do you know, I had this desire as a young person to hear the voice of God. Remember growing up in our church, everyone was a prophet. I'm not all of us, but like all the prophets would come through and they'd prophesy everyone. I'd wear pink. No one would prophesy over me. They just, I didn't get a prophetic word until Vicky Simpson, now Duratio, at Easter camp. I was sitting next to Pastor Brad. It was amazing. But honestly, I had this hunger to hear the voice of God because prophets would come in and go, Tom Smith. I'm like, how does he know his name? I mean, Tom Smith's a pretty easy guess, but there'd be random names. I'm like, God, I want to hear your voice. I had this desire. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to have to step up. I'm going to have to step out. Because then I heard, you've got to actually step out. You've got to actually try. So I remember one day I went, I was in Southlands, which is a suburb in Willerton, and I went to an ice cream place, and I'm, and I'm just, I didn't want ice cream, I just wanted to hear God. I'm like, God, you know how you told the prophets their names? Tell me that lady's name who's selling ice cream. Tell me her name. Tell me her name, God. And I heard Dolores. Dolores. So I went up to her, I said, uh, hi, is your name Dolores? And she looks at me and goes, no. It's Anne. And I'm thinking, did I watch Sister Act? What did I do? Where did Dolores come from? 
And I said, Anne, I didn't say, well, the Lord is teaching me. No, I just said, Anne, I'm just going to have a triple chock <laughs> Sunday with everything the lot. Because when you, when you fail, at least eat. <laughs> Sorry, just order some ice cream. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm never going to hear the voice of God. You know, a few weeks later, we're in a small groups and we're all breaking up in groups and we're praying. And there's someone said, Mark, can you pray for that guy's boss? And I'm praying for the boss and I hear a name, Rob. I go, don't say anything. <laughs> Remember Dolores. <laughs> don't say anything. So we're praying, but I can't help it. I go, can you tell me what your boss's name was? And then she said, it's Rob. I'm like, oh! <laughs> you know what? Easy at that point to go, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna give up on hearing the voice of God. But you just gotta keep saying yes. The protection of God is in your ongoing yes. I got more stories that'll keep you here all night. I'll tell you one more. I was a lawyer and I went to the Supreme Court because that's what lawyers do. And I was with a clerk, a law clerk, and her name was Lucy. She's a lovely girl. And I said, I'm like, God, give me something for Lucy. I wanna, you know, I'm a lawyer, I'm not a pastor. And I'm walking and I'm like, Lucy. And I feel I get a word from the Lord. And, then, and I stop at the lights and go, Lucy. She goes, yeah, I go, does your mom have breast cancer? And she starts to get this real tremored look on her face and she goes, no, does yours? I said, no, but it's important we remind them to get checked every year and kept walking. At any moment, I could say, I'm not a prophet. I can't hear the voice of God. But my whole journey was littered with success, failure, success, failure, success, failure, hearing God, missing God, hearing God, missing God. Easy to go, nah, to, you know, some of you, heard Jemima's story last night, my beautiful, gorgeous wife, about how we met. If you didn't hear it, I'm going to give you my version, because that's... <laughs> to summarize, and her version's accurate, I'm just saying, what happens is she's got six months worth of signs that I'm her husband. I don't know anything. <laughs> she comes for our first year anniversary of our church, and a friend of ours says, let's have a coffee, you'll know. And I go, oh, I'm, at that point I'm 30, I'm single, I'm set up with anything that's female with a pulse. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, you know, just, just entertain her. She's a missionary from Brisbane, she'll fly back and whatever. And I'm thinking, oh, God. And I know of her, we'd already sort of met loosely and because of that, you know, the stage moment. But I met lots of people and I was like, oh, whatever. One coffee. We go and sit down, have a coffee, have a coffee. And the whole time we're having the coffee, I'm hearing a voice in my head, this is your wife. And I'm thinking, remember, remember Dolores, remember Lucy's breast cancer? <laughs> this is your wife, this is your wife, this is your wife. After about two and a half hours of this, I'm like, I've got to say something. Because she's flying back tomorrow to Brisbane, I'll never see her again. First ever coffee. And I go, oh, how do you feel? which is a stupid question because it had no context. Literally no context. We're sit sitting there on a stale cup of coffee. How do you feel? She's like, what do you, what do you mean? And she didn't say, because we're talking two and a half hours of just loose conversation, nothing that deep. Not like, what do you want in a spouse? None of those, just like, oh, yeah, what do you do? 
you know, whatever. You're a pastor, you can talk. So we're talking. And then out of nowhere, how do you feel? She's like, she goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, I feel like I'm having coffee with my wife. And then it, I realized what I said. I said, I thought, oh no, here we go, Dolores again, breast cancer again. I thought she's gonna stand up, slap me, go, what sort of dodgy pastor are you? Is this how you integrate the new people in your church? I don't know what she's thinking. I don't know her. To my shock, she smiles, sits back and says, yeah, I think you are having coffee with your wife. Now, that shocked me more than what I said shocked me. I'm like, what? Because I'm like, I've left it out there thinking you're an idiot and she's returned the favor with interest. And I go, you serious? She goes, you serious? And then we both backtracked a bit. And we sort of sat there. I'm like, oh, I don't normally say that. I don't normally say that. And we're like all trying to be all. And, I, and then I said, oh. And once I told her that, she launches into her 10, 15 minute soliloquy of all the signs she had, because she had a six month runway. God spoke this prophecy, the word, she spoke to her father. I didn't, none of that. I just had a voice in my head all the time. So she's going through her signs. I did this, I did that. and I'm sitting there wide mouth thinking, oh, she has come to this coffee expecting something to happen because she's had a six month runway. I was wondering why this guy took two and a half hours to get to the point. And she finishes her 10 minutes and goes, oh, so tell me your signs. I go, um, um, uh, I've been hearing a voice in my head for the last two and a half hours saying, this is your wife, uh, and I feel good. <laughs> feel good was just so I had two signs. And I just said, <laughs> and she looks at me and goes, that's it. That's it. She goes, that's it. How do you know? That's not just your feelings. And then we had our first fight right there. <laughs> but what happened is, she goes, you heard a voice in your head? And I explained, yeah, it's the same voice that told me to do law, same voice that told me to quit law, same voice that told me to come to Malaysia. Uh, you know, back in the day, Dolores, Lucy, same. And she realized somewhere in the journey, this guy's learned to hear the voice of God. But at any moment, I could have quit hearing the voice of God. Every time you fail, you could have stopped hearing the voice of God. The reason some of us have stopped going is because we've got disappointment and you stopped the journey. You've actually lost your protection because God doesn't reside in the space of inactivity. That's why tonight, everybody gets to renew their yes. What am I signing up for? The adventure of a lifetime. You might not go to another country to plant a church, but God will use you while he can change you. He will guide you while you step out and he will guard you as you keep moving. You know, I had an old Hyundai Excel that I used to drive and it had a wheel alignment problem. And every nine months it would start to veer off by itself. And I have to go to the mechanic and it would treat you know, he would change it and be fine. Nine months later, uh, it would go off, I'd go to the mechanic, because it's an old car. And I feel like tonight God wants to align hearts again and recruit you 
to an adventure that some of you signed up for decades ago, some of you weeks ago, but God has an adventure over every one of your lives. See, you listened to the announcement last week and thought, oh, great for Pastor Brad and Ali. It's not their adventure. It's everybody's adventure. And maybe God's asking you to do things that are radical and crazy and pray for the sick in hospitals and start this and join this or get that or do this and give this or sow this. I want to tell you there's an adventure if you would say yes. And sometimes people go, this is a good message for youth. Yes, good. The young people need to hear a word like this. I found the older the car, the more the alignment. All good. All right. Let's uh... And as I'm getting older, because I think I'm getting older, All I know is I don't want to get to the end of my life and I quit on following God. See, if some of you don't know the dream, I'm not asking you to know the dream. I'm asking you to know the God of the dream. I'm asking you to say yes to God because if the Lord is your shepherd, you're never lost. You might not know where you are, but you're not lost. But isn't not knowing where I am the definition of lost? You're not lost if the Lord is your shepherd because the one you're following is not lost. You can't explain where you are, but if you're following Him, you're not lost. Because when you follow God, when you say yes to following God, you don't just sign up for adventure. See, you're like, God, what's the way? He said, I am the way. I'm the way. Follow me. Follow me. There's, there's, I don't know who it is that is believing for a child and you can't have one. You're struggling to conceive. God wants to heal you tonight. And you've been feeling, God wants you to dream again because you've been hurt by what's happened before. And, and if that's you, I, don't, I know it's a bit courageous to do it to you, so I don't want to embarrass you, but I really would I want to pray. I just felt that in my heart then. God wants to bless you with the desires of your heart. There are people here and disappointment has robbed you. You felt, you felt the, the fear of failure. And I want to tell you, the adventure does not stop. I wish I could tell you that the adventure is all highs. It's not. There's highs, there's lows, and there's everything in between. But I wonder if we can all stand to our feet right now, from the front to the back. If you're physically able... Some of this didn't go the way I thought, but I just want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And some of you, you've sat in the last 24 hours and soaked. Your hunger is rising. Your boldness is getting stronger. But I don't want to be a giant in the boat. I want to be a David on the water. All I know is I just want to say yes to God. I don't know where He's taking me, but I know who I'm following. And tonight, I actually believe there's an impartation available for dreams that have got stuck. And if you're honest enough to say, Father, I'm stuck. There are people in here, you feel unworthy, you feel unable. And that is a lie that Jesus broke over the paralyzed man. And He said, pick up your mat and walk. And tonight, in a few moments... When Charles and Joy start to sing, in a few moments when we all start to worship, I want to invite you, just like I want to invite anybody who says something inside of me is responding tonight, I want the adventure of following God. See, I thought I was a boring person, 
didn't have much of a life, didn't have, I wasn't the most popular kid in school. Brad will tell you, I was, the quiet, I was pretty quiet, pretty shy. But God does not care what your personality is. He just cares what your answer is. So tonight, just say yes. He'll never force you. He'll never force you. But tonight, He invites you to the adventure of following Him. He will guide you. He'll guide you. There will be in a... I can feel the faith in the room starting to rise. I can feel the presence of God. And some of you, the, the biggest barrier you're going to have to break is disappointment. This is not for me. There are some elderly people tonight that God wants to awaken dreams inside of you because I specifically felt Joel 2.28 afterward, after I pour my spirit out and God's spirit has been on this meeting. He says, your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. If you're saying yes to God, saying yes to the adventure of following you, like I did when I was a 15 or 16 year old. It's not my personality, but I just know I want to follow him. I want the adventure of saying yes to God. You don't have to make it a race, but you know you need to get out of your seat from the balcony, from the front, from the back, from the left, from the right. We'll make space, we'll clear the chairs. It doesn't matter. All I want is everyone who says yes. All I want tonight, all the Lord is looking for is a prophetic response to a divine invitation. This whole weekend was set up to dream again, but it requires a step of faith. Maybe you need to get on the bus and drive to the hospital and see what God does. Maybe you just need to say yes. Maybe you just need to take a step of faith. But God loves you. He'll guide you. He'll protect you. And He's drawing you tonight. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.